Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 76. Um, it's Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. My name is John, joined as always by Andrea. How's it going? It is going fantastically this week, John. Can't complain about anything. That's great. Well, we're <laughs> here to talk about pop culture things that interest us. Sometimes there's whiskey. Today is a special occasion because today is Hobbit Day. Whoop, so whoop. if for our video viewers, you can appreciate Andrea's stylish, what looks like elven locks there. That's right. This is Very. straight up Legolas hair right here. And I've got, <laughs> I've got green on for Legolas green leaf. So yeah. Nice. If you can, if you can uh, tell maybe... You know, when we get to that portion of the show, you don't even need to ask me who my favorite character is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we'll, we'll do it anyways. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to wear, I thought I was wearing like full Renfest gear. Yeah. Um, but I kind of thought of it too late, sh foolishly. So. Yeah, I thought about it too. Um, Cause that's my other favorite character. We went to the Renfest for my birthday couple of years ago now and uh, dressed up as Lord of the Rings characters and I was Eowyn um, and you were Faramir. So what a pair we would have made on the podcast here. I know, right? Yep. <laughs> well, there is always the anniversary of the fall of Sauron in the spring. That's so. right. That's right. We'll bring yeah. it back around. Yep. Well, I decided to sort of uh, pay... Uh, tribute to Tolkien himself. I thought, well, mm -hmm. you know, my hair is terrible. Let's wear an English-looking hat. I like these kind yeah, of Yeah, a little cabbie hat. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I've got my, uh, well, I guess technically it's Ashley's, but my Gandalf pipe. Yes. Oh, it looks fantastic. So I can just, uh, yeah, just have Think that things over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your thinking pipe. Yep. <laughs> I got one. I can't smoke in here with the computer running. Yeah. <laughs> suck it all in sure so. sure i was gonna challenge you to try and make you know a ship out of smoke rings like gandalf does yeah but... i don't know that i would bother accepting Dude. that one at least, at least <laughs> with no stakes anyways with no stakes <laughs> maybe so well i have one other thing that uh i'm doing in honor of tolkien we'll get to that later um we'll talk about our weeks drink holidays a little bit of news and then we'll get into hobbit lord of the rings and all things tolkien later that will be spoiler filled if you're not familiar with lord of the rings stuff mm -hmm. so um anyways yeah your week how's it been see anything great or read anything great or... it's been really good um nothing really new on the horizon um for me pop culture wise um, I, in honor, you know, of Hobbit Day, I went back and rewatched all the Hobbits and all of the Lord of the Rings movies, extended editions. So that kind of took wow. up a lot of my time, you know, yeah. I mean, if you're, That's if you're not like familiar, job. <laughs> it really was, <laughs> it really was, uh, it was a lot. It was, I, I didn't really start out intending to do it. Um, but then I, I just thought like, oh, like I see the Hobbit is on, and it's free, like, you know, Hobbit Day is coming up. Sure, like, I'll watch that one. And then suddenly it was like, oh, I watched it. Like, I got I to gotta watch the next one, too. Like, you know, it's Hobbit Day, after all. I should watch all the movies. Yep. And then the second I was finished with the Hobbit trilogy, I was like, you know what I really miss? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so I decided I, mean, I, was, 
I was going to watch those, and then I found out that uh, HBO Max has all the extended editions free on their okay. streaming service. So I was like, well, if I'm going to watch them, better do it all the way. Yeah. Yeah. No so, half it, that's for sure. That's right. That's right. So yeah, so that right. uh, that took up quite a chunk of my time this week, but I did manage to squeeze in the latest episodes um, of Ted Lasso, which I understand you've started. And then I also watched a couple more episodes of Miracle Workers Oregon Trail. Okay. So. All right. We had no feedback from last week about the pronunciation of said Northwestern state. I know. Uh, I thought about it like immediately after it left my mouth. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. shoot. I was going to check um, because, as you mentioned, I did start Ted Lasso as well. I want to see where I was at there exactly um oh, yeah i am on i am almost done i normally finish every episode but i didn't like at once but i didn't get to finish episode three of season two yet oh so, wow so you're you're already through season one and into two yes excellent excellent what uh what do you think of it so far like, I spoiler yeah. free relatively. Yeah, no, you know, I, can, I mean you can, I can say talk some about things. quite a bit of it without spoiling uh, being spoilery. Um, I think that it's a really good show. Um, it's what so season two so far is mm -hmm. actually making me understand more why season one is so good. So mm -hmm. I'm interested sure. where season two goes because right now season two is disappointing compared to the first season. Mm -hmm. um, I, I find that um, season one is, is that perfect blend of comedy, but something really poignant too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like there are very serious relationships and issues. And um, I take, they, they, I take the show seriously, despite how um, kind of crazily optimistic Ted Lasso is. Right. And it kind of sells you on him more because everything around him is so, you know, it just it works and it, fe it feels real. Right. Um, so season two is getting more comedic mm -hmm. and I'm feeling less. Um, I'm feeling like there's a less honest look right now at some of the other characters and the way that they're acting. And it's, it's just kind of a different vibe that mm -hmm. is, is verging on like to let's be funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, to be honest, I would agree with you. I started season two um, almost immediately after I'd finished season one. Um, because of course I hadn't really watched season one until we knew that two was coming out and I felt the same way. I felt it didn't quite as strong. It leaned heavier on being funny instead of being funny and real. And mm -hmm. I think it took a little bit to get into some of the more real moments again. Um, now that it, now that it has, it's, it's balancing itself better. Um, but okay. there, I think still some ups and downs that I'm interested to see how the show navigates for the rest of the season because, because it was a little bit more uneven. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've, I've powered through it 
with ease. It was it was yeah. easy to watch. It was compelling. Really big fan of season one. I mm-hmm. think it's a it's a it's a. I haven't seen I haven't seen a show like it, and uh, I enjoy it a lot. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I guess I'm encouraged to the maybe the season two will pick up a little bit or course correct a touch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just to uh to close out on Ted Lasso, um, one. I, I think, and I think maybe now that you've seen season one, you'd maybe agree, is that it's it's a sports show that isn't a sports show. Like, it's a nice, for, for sure. those who, like, don't need a bunch of sports, it's set in that world, but, like, does it well. Um, and then also, Roy Kent's voice is now, like, so iconic in my brain. Like, when you say something... And then you say, like, say it like Roy Kent, I can do it. It's like a Morgan Freeman type voice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you hear it and you're like, that's what that is. Like, you you can hear it in your head. It's, yep. so, yep. it's so distinct. I, Alan just shared a uh, a GIF. And it's that's what, what I was thinking. It's like everything he says it, that I would want to think about it. saying is a swear word. And yep. I absolutely do. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. It's very, very iconic voice. It's so yeah, it's so distinctive. I don't I don't know if that's his voice in real life. I didn't get to watch. I I believe um spoiler alert for the Emmys. Um I believe he may have won best supporting actor Emmy for Ted okay. Lasso recently. Um and uh you know, if he spoke at that, I don't know if that's his real voice, but I don't know if if I even want to know. <laughs> yeah, right. I I I completely forgot to put the Emmys in the rundown. It I it did happen and I and I, I know. did see that Ted Lasso won a bunch of things or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it won for, I, I think Sudeikis won. I'm not sure that it won best comedy or not. I thought okay. it did, but now I'm second guessing myself. So. Well, we're on it. Emmys 2021 <laughs> winners. Um, Looks like Crown won for drama. Yeah. I know a lot of their actors um, won for drama as well. Yeah, comedy series, Ted Lasso. It did. Actor, comedy, Jason Sudeikis. Sure. Um, supporting actor, Brett Goldstein. Um, that was a that oh. was a tough category because I think uh, Coach Beard, Roy Kent, and Nate, the actors who play them, mm. were all nominated for supporting actor. So I was very torn about that. And the boss, uh, Hannah, Hannah Waddingham. Waddingham. Yep. One for supporting actress comedy. Yes. Yep. So yeah. Um, Apple TV plus had a good night. Mm-hmm. You and McGregor one for actor in a limited series or movie. Oh, for, for Halston. Halston. Yeah. I yeah, forgot I re- about that until this. I want to watch that. Yeah. I remember us talking about it a while back. Yeah. Definitely need to revisit that as well. Yep, and then lots of um, lots of the crown, and then mayor of Easttown too. That's the one other one that I thought looked good mm, um, mm-hmm. with Kate Winslet and stuff. So I think, yeah, yeah, it was not a it was not unfortunately a great showing for Disney Plus because I know they were nominated in a lot of categories like limited series. I think Wandavision was up there, um, and uh, mm. Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany were nominated for acting too and they didn't i don't think disney plus may have won anything 
So that's well, see, what's weird is the Bridgerton is nominated in the drama series. Isn't there just a smut category? That's <laughs> that one goes in. Uh, your Lovecraft Country got nominated, I see. Yes, they had plenty of nominations. Oh, Emily in Paris. Oh, oh God. Gosh. Yeah, I know. I do remember when Emmy nominations came out and I was just horrified. It's, it's okay. So that's why this looks familiar that we, we probably looked over the nominations before we did. Right. Yeah. Cause I remember us talking um, a bit about some of the nominees that we wanted to watch. I think one on mine that's super huge and I resisted watching it because it was super huge and I hate like being trendy. So I, I ignored it is the, How the hipster of you. I know, I know it's, uh, it's trendy to not be trendy. Um, but it was uh, The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, the okay. short yep. with uh, Anna Taylor-Joy and about chess. Yeah. It is something yeah. I want to watch, but I didn't want to watch it at the time. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you have to. Right. Yep. I mean, that was me, I guess, with uh, Ted Lasso, right? <laughs> it's just it's it's tough to sort through because there's sometimes, you know, there's so many good things. But mm -hmm. what are the things that are really going to hit? hit you individually what's like really because right. you know i'm really glad i went to ted lasso you know but it's not you know i definitely did not expect to like it as much as i did so mm -hmm. same but um all right emmys ted lasso um <laughs> otherwise i basically have been working watched a little ufc this week and stuff of like that so um not too much else crazy drinks Drink holidays. Drinks, drinks. Um, so I sort of have combined one of our drink holidays and Hobbit Day. So it is currently Oktoberfest, running through October 3rd. So I've got a nice, whoops, this way, mug of ale, mug of brown ale nice. in a pint glass because it comes in pints. I'm getting one. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in pints. I'm getting one. You've had a whole half already. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm that annoying. <laughs> I know it that what, well. Um, Cheers. What specifically? Specifically. What kind uh, of uh, so it get? it is a fireside flannel brown ale. Um I, I just cracked I just cracked it open too, and I looked specifically to find out which brand it was and uh or which brewing company it was and now i completely forgot hmm. i thought it was very very uh middle earthian of me to have brown ale because that's a lot of what the characters drank um and i also got a little bit of apple and a little bit <laughs> a little bit of cheese with my brown ale extra points for that apple to come and hit you on the head at some point i know i know i should have had chris oh. standing in my doorway <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as I as I rewatch the movies, I uh, I noticed how many times they find apples in, like mm. scattered throughout, especially in the extended editions. So sure. Yeah. So cheers. Yeah, cheers. I can certainly uh, cheers you as well. I um I'm drinking a Guinness in a Guinness glass. Excellent. Um. So I On know it's brand. not English, but um. Yeah, Tolkien, Their brethren. definitely spent his uh, plenty of time at the pub drinking beer. And this is the uh, 
you know, closest thing I have to something English um, <laughs> in the house. So, yep. Well, cheers. Yes, but cheers. I actually, I should say this isn't regular Guinness even. This is the nitro cold brew coffee Guinness. Ooh. Yeah. How is it? It's very good. Is it pepping you up? Giving you a little well, jolt? I just had my first sip, really, you know? I it's it's it is frustrating having our drinks, you know, after the weekly updates, basically, <laughs> because I don't want to reveal what it is. Right, so right. I can't have any anything to drink early. So Ah, yeah. well, maybe we'll have to start doing that right at the top of the show so we can just cheers Could. it. Mm-hmm. Could do that. Our fans let us know. What do you think? <laughs> drinks first. Also, um, we Alan, Alan just pointed out that uh, it, uh, if it was truly celebrating Hobbit Day, I should have mushrooms. And to which I say mm. yes, but also I cannot eat them raw. So mm. unlike unlike my apple and cheese. We have morels. Ooh, you have fancy, fancy yep. mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Yep. Got some morels. If, if any hobbits are listening, they're coming to raid your storeroom. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> um, well. What to uh, fill one up, pour one out, however you want to say it, for Norm McDonald. That's right. Um, he unfortunately passed away the other day. Yes, he did. Um, actor, comedian. Mm-hmm. Were you, I mean, I feel like we're all familiar with Norm McDonald pretty, whether you knew what he you'd seen him in, he just was mm -hmm. like kind of there always in the yeah. comedy scene for our for our age anyways. Right, kind of ubiquitous and a lot of sprinkled in a lot of different things. I mean, obviously SNL was his his main territory. Um, but I also definitely remember him very specifically as the dog from Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle. Mm. That was like that was a big movie when I was growing up. Um, and I just remember him being like the the foul-mouthed dog that they adopt and it's like the first guy who uh, Dr. Doolittle realizes he can talk to animals and uh, Norm Macdonald's voice is just like so it's another one of those like such iconic sounding yeah, voices, you know, absolutely. That you you just recognize it right away. I just saw on IMDb that he's uncredited as a voice in Dr. Doolittle, too. But again, yes. <laughs> what good does him being uncredited do? Like, clearly, you know, unless it's an impersonator, I guess. But right, I guess. Yeah, a lot of good luck, stuff. Good luck with um, that. That's an iconic voice to try and impersonate. Mm -hmm. I would not want to do it. <laughs> he did a lot of like guest appearances on shows mm -hmm. on, on on television. He was in news radio, a yes. bit, the Drew Carey show. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. He had uh, his own show, which I have not watched that. Oh, yeah, I haven't either. TV series. I haven't watched that, but... Um, and then, yeah, SNL. Um, something else. Oh, yeah, Family Guy as death. Yes. I mean, again, not in there a lot, but leaves an impression. You remember such it. A, yeah, such a good early episode. Um, the Orville. Uh, great television show. The character he plays is very out there. It's just okay. a voice. Um, oh, okay. I obviously so. haven't seen that episode yet then. So, yeah um cancer sounds like he battled with it for a long time and didn't tell mm -hmm. anyone 
that's my understanding. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, that's kind of unfortunately, um, kind of the second big name I can think of that has fought a battle with cancer and not let anybody know after Chadwick Boseman. Obviously, I think mm. a lot of people were so so surprised at his passing, and he also battled with cancer and, you know, yep, did not tell anyone. So, yep. Um. Well, Norm will be missed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Cheers to Norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, happier news. Company that exudes happiness, really. <laughs> a Nintendo. Uh, it's been oft rumored, heavily speculated mm-hmm. recently that uh, Nintendo would be having an event this month yet. And uh, lo and behold, they announced this morning that's tomorrow, September 23rd, five o'clock central time. They will be doing just that in a Nintendo Direct that's about 40 minutes long, focusing on games mostly yet to come this winter. Excellent. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people are um guessing that they're going to have some sort of reveal for an added um console to the nintendo online Mm. service so as it stands presently we have the original nintendo right and the snes they have a bunch of games on there that with your yearly subscription fee you have access to and right now people are thinking, well, are they going to do Game Boy games or Nintendo 64 games? That's what people seem to think and seem to think there is some controller that they might be releasing along with it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we'll sounds, see. Like, sounds like we could potentially get a lot, but yeah, I don't know. I've learned to, I've learned to temper expectations around a yes. lot of these like gaming reveals and showcases, but Mm-hmm. You know, that that doesn't uh, stop it from being fun to speculate. <laughs> yep. I mean, Nintendo, for sure. Like, there's always a lot of high expectations. And, you know, I don't know, you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment. So. Well, we will um, see tomorrow at 5 p.m. Yep. Yep. I will be tuning in. In news that's not related even a little bit. Um, <laughs> I just saw an ad the other day on television for Madame X. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? Is that Madonna? Wait, that is Madonna. What is this? And so it shows how much I'm out of it, how much I've checked out of the world of Madonna. But <laughs> her latest album is called Madame X. Yes, it and is. And they're doing some sort of like um, Amazon show performance Mm -hmm. thing yeah so Um, i i checked it out a little bit and it looks like half kind of behind the scenes look at making of talking a little bit about her life um and then also some performances as well okay so i i think that's kind of interesting especially in light of the fact that it's been a little bit since uh Madam X or Madame X, um, organ, organ, um, (laughs) has been released. Um, and then also in light of the, um, recent, uh, news from Alanis Morissette 
who also did like a similar sort of documentary style um like film i guess mm. and is really unhappy with the way she's portrayed the way it came out and is like suing the production company so wow. i i don't know if that's any sort of like indication of you know madonna's approval or non-approval of this but i'm interested right. to see why they're why they're kind of like why these kind of documentary style things are coming out right now hmm. yeah well and then there was the uh billy eilish one on apple and there's yeah. a Beastie boys one on apple i think right and um yeah there's been and then i thought there was one other group there's been a kind of a yeah rash of these yeah, it's like a little things. renaissance of, you know, like, let's follow a, a musical group that's not necessarily present. I mean, I know, you know, Billie Eilish is, but a lot of these other, mm -hmm. you know, groups or individuals are a little bit older. So, mm -hmm. yep. Um, I I know I've mentioned on the show before, but I used to listen to Madonna a lot. Like, there was mm. a period of time I had a an amazing sound system in my big blue Ford F-150 and uh, Madonna and, in a truck. I love it. Yeah, I, it was back and forth between Madonna and Marilyn Manson, like a, a lot of those two. As you do, so, as you do, as you do. I love it. It's OK. So like. As a teen, I alternated between like blasting Metallica and Spice Girls because right. also also totally related. Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> No, we just have varying tastes. It's fine. That's right. We're not dull, you know? That's right. That's we keep it, it interesting. Mm -hmm. So Madonna, I guess, really gone downhill for me. Mm. Like, it's become yeah. s sad the way that she's chosen to age so ungracefully. Yep. The weird moments coming out wearing grills and, like, and, uh, like, the odd fashion choices. It's like... Madonna, you're one of the few that can just be a name, a singular name. You're a legend in the pop music industry, okay? Do mm -hmm. we have to still try to like make shocking moments or something? Yeah. We I mean, I don't know. They need to see the therapist from Ted Lasso and <laughs> uh, get, um, you know, realize you don't have to be the center of attention all the time anymore. Like, well, and I, I think part of it is... You know, she could still make waves and make headlines and like if that's your thing, like go for some shock value sometimes. Sure. But I think the way that she's chosen to do it is such like um is tied such with like the symbolism of hanging on to her youth. Like you said, mm -hmm. like choosing to wear grills right. or like revealing outfits or like, you know, do these these sorts of things that sort of seem like this weird desperate grab to like be young. Like, those aren't the only ways that you could be shocking or different or, like, you know, right. do something that people talk about. So yep. it, it just sort of, like, makes it sadder when that's what it seems like. Yep. Yeah, do music that's really experimental. Try different genres. Work yeah. with people you never thought you would have before. Whatever, you know, different things like that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I might, you know, now... I'm going to be stuck in the tractor for many hours. Very <laughs> I Time might on your as hands. well try the uh um time goes by so slowly her song says and um <laughs> i can listen to her latest album and maybe see what this show is about too at some point um a show that i'm definitely going to not miss checking out 
which releases today, mm-hmm. at least, I don't know, I don't know what the re- release schedule, what it's like. They're dropping them all at once, or they're doing oh, weekly. Oh, yeah, true. I'm guessing they're splitting them up, because that's what Disney Plus usually does. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Visions begins today. Yes, I'm very excited uh, for this. Yeah, I am as well. I um, oh. I did um I I didn't mean to, but I did see like an ad on the internet um for like a review of Star Wars Visions and had skimmed the first little bit before I could stop myself. And it didn't give me any spoilers, thank goodness. Um but it did indicate that that uh reviews so far have been positive. Okay. So that just like gave me a little bit of encouragement because I'm very excited about this. I know it's very different. It's not very traditional Star Wars. So there could have been some sort of like pushback from fan base. There still could be, but early, early reviews say good. Mm -hmm. I think um, anything that steers clear in the Star Wars universe of most of the content of late is is a lot safer uh, from fan blowback. And also, um, also knowing that it's not canon, you know? It's yeah. Like, you know, it does, the, it does give them a bit of grace. To, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you but never yeah. know how picky people are and how whiny some fan bases can mm-hmm. get. I'm ready to be wowed and amazed. So my expectations mm-hmm. are, I'm going in high. I'm not even going to try to like temper them like good meet my expectations do it uh technical director alan thinks that they all released today Ooh. so that would be okay. a change for disney plus but i guess they're shorts so how short mm-hmm. i don't know yeah well if you're out there and you are interested in star wars visions let us know i'm sure we'll talk about it later when we um uh, Get the chance to see them. Absolutely. Another science fiction epic is about to begin. Mm-hmm. Or so I hope it will be epic. Um, <laughs> Foundation on Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. begins on Friday. Mm-hmm. I will definitely be also checking this out. I think it's I think it's a big gamble for Apple TV and I hope it pays off for them because they've they've been putting out some quality programming. And I really hope that uh, that this is kind of like one of their big draw programs. I mean, I know Ted Lasso is, um, but, you know, this is obviously wildly different. So I hope this is good in a in a same way, but obviously in like the, you know, sci fi genre. Yep. I I'm hoping we can maybe have uh, our friend Tony on to talk about this show because he is um, he's a big fan. He's someone that's read the books. Oh, and, excellent. Um, he and his dad were really, um, really into it. He's he's intrigued because the first book, I guess, is almost entirely dialogue. It's just lots and lots of dialogue. Okay. So conversation. So I was wondering how it's going to be interesting and, and visualized in a television show. Sure. So, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, two of the things I'm most excited for this year uh, are coming out this week. So <laughs> big week. I know. Well, I could be very disappointed or not. We'll see. 
I'm happy. Um, that's about it for news, unless there's something else you have to to toss in there. Um, no, no, I just want to get right to the good stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, so spoilers are about to um commence for I guess all J.R.R. Tolkien stuff is uh is open Fair for, game. for discussion. Yeah. I am certainly not um well versed in all of it, but um we'll get right into it. Hobbit Day. Yay! Yay Congratulations, huzzah. we made it to another Hobbit's Day. Happy birthday, Bilbo and Frodo, um, which is what the holiday represents, mm -hmm. their birthdays. And um, we might as well. I know you're big, you're big Tolkien head, right? So what's, uh, what's what was your introduction? What was your introduction to the world of Tolkien? Sure. My first introduction to the world of Tolkien was through the books, um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I did not read The Hobbit first. Um so when I was, uh, it was in eighth grade, I remember, and my family in, I think the only time we've ever done this, we took a, a trip during Christmas break to like a ski lodge and rented out like a, a whole lodge for our family. Um, and uh, my dad was like, don't bring books. I know you're going to bring books, but I've got, I've got a series that I want you to read because oh. I think you're going to like it. Because my, my dad actually introduced me to a lot of uh, my kind of classic favorites um, for different things. Like he introduced me to a lot of different book series that he enjoyed, um, like Terry Brooks, Terry Goodkind, um, The Lord of the Rings, obviously. He was the, the person who gave me um, the first uh, book in Game of Thrones. Um, so my, my dad kind of like introduced me to a lot of these, these different fantasy worlds. Um, yeah, I, I remember very specifically that we were on this trip and my dad gave me these books. And um, by, the, by the time tr the trip was over, I think I'd maybe hit the slopes like twice because I was just so like page turner, page turner, page turner. I was just like sitting on the couch of that ski lodge just reading. And I was just fascinated by this world. So, yeah, awesome. absolutely loved it. Fell in love like from the first book and then kind of branched out to go read The Hobbit, like the Silmarillion, um, a lot of the different tales that Tolkien um, mostly finished. I think some are finished by his son, Christopher, but mm -hmm. most mostly his. So how do you feel that, um, like, his work holds up today, the, you know, the core books and everything? Mm -hmm. You feel like there is, um, you know, Obviously, what age do you say? Eighth grade? Okay. So obviously yep. at that point, you know, uh, younger, do you feel the same way about them today? Have you reread any of them or anything like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have reread um, the core trilogy and the Silmarillion is actually one of my favorite books um, because I just, I weirdly love like the amount of thought and detail he built or he put into building like this entire world with this huge backstory like it's just it's it, it's so impressive to me the the scale to which he built this world you know what i mean like the how many different languages that are all unique like he wrote dictionaries for this kind of stuff like he wrote histories of like all these different uh races that are represented in his books like complete with like songs and tales of their own like 
just like the amount of detail he put into it, I just think is so amazingly impressive. Um, and that's the kind of thing I definitely still think holds up today in terms of, you know, thinking of, of, um, you know, continuity, logical, like progression in his world, like everything fits. There's no like weird, like, oh, but what if, you know, or why didn't he, you know, explain this? Like, no, he thought of it. Um, and then I think as an adult reading the books, um, I'm, I'm definitely colored a little bit by the fact that I, as a, as a teenager did not know anything about Tolkien himself, you know, when I first read the books, So I just sort of like read them very straightforward as a fantasy epic. And then as an adult learned a little bit more about his life and his service in world war one. And now it's hard for me to not um, see the books through a lens of like, this is a man clearly dealing with his time in the service and a little bit of PTSD or a lot of PTSD. I mean, kind of, it's not quite apparent like how much, um, mental health issues he had, but clearly some are there. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and really, you know, as you were mentioning before, I think that's the, that's the groundbreaking thing. That's the legacy Mm -hmm. Tolkien is that, that world building everything else. I mean, I talk a lot about Dungeons and Dragons and the, he just created the fundamental building blocks of everything that we imagine as a high fantasy kind of world mm-hmm. um, that spans everything. Like it was, I, I think that, um, I mean, obviously it took a lot of things, I suppose, from older um, myths and things, but I think that, pre-Star Wars or something, it's his detailed work that really inspired a generation to, like, imagine, like, Mm -hmm. probably no one in the modern world had before. And it came because of that clear depth of everything. Like you say, there's no reason, there's no need to write all the songs and the dictionaries, and you don't have to come up with all those languages. But he did, and it makes it so real. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, it's that's the envy of every creator every dungeon master every fantasy or science fiction novelist that wants to make their own sprawling epic like you have a lot to live up to like absolutely you know it's it's really not his like um writing prowess you know it's mm-hmm. it's his uh you know his way with um you know his, his dedication to creating an entirely new world mm-hmm. um so Which that's is- what i find most amazing yeah, I agree. It's it's such a it's such a uh, beautiful contradiction that he's creating a new world, but he's such an adept historian. You know what mm. I mean? Like like he's so it's it's his ability to create a history that that brings a whole new world to life, and it's it's such like a um. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it even as I'm thinking about it right now. But yeah, it's just it's such a, a wonderful thing to like think that your ability to write the past can build a future. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, how. Um, how we really win about it all as well. You know, I've, I've listened to some things like I always figure when you're planning out. Planning out a trilogy or something like that, you that's what you, you do. You kind of mm-hmm. plan it out. And then I was listening to a thing earlier that's saying as a writer, 
the last thing you want to do is plan something out. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to write, and it takes you where you need to go. Right. Um, and when I'm doing like D and D writing, then it's you start things start compiling, but you're not. You start getting to these moments where you're like, okay, what's the bigger picture here? Mm-hmm. Where are the branching things that need to happen? Like I can't just like keep making stuff up and not have, you know, work out resolutions and like have right. things have meaning and whatever. So I just would be interested in knowing more about how the process of his world building really came to be. Was it literally mm-hmm. just like building block, building block, and it just kind of expands? And mm-hmm. then eventually it's edited to, or is it just like, I don't know, the search of, you know, do you, do you have any insight into like the process that he came to yeah, I've been creating this a bit. Um, I I know that that his process was a combination of creating the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the the essence of uh, Middle Earth actually in the trenches. I mean, he had plenty of time in World War One. Um, you know, I mean, if if you don't, if any listeners don't know a ton about World War One, it's it's the trench warfare war. Um, so you had a lot of time in your, your, your sides, like position to just sit there and sometimes things happened and then sometimes weeks passed and almost nothing happened. And it was kind of like during these times that he started thinking about, um, his, you know, the books that he wanted to write and like kind of, um, telling the story of this fellowship of companions the way that he was much uh, a companion of fellows with his fellow soldiers um so he had started that kind of thinking while in the trenches um and that's how the original trilogy came to be and then i know that that um once he left active duty he was pretty sick so he spent a, a lot of the end of the war in a hospital bed and kind of like, again, had time to like build on his thoughts already. Um, And then in his later years after the war, it was kind of a little bit of his therapeutic process to go back and create so much of this like history, like still spending time in this world and dealing with um, some of the things that had happened to him that way. So both and, um, you know, I think, I think he definitely had like, a clear overall story he wanted to tell with Lord of the Rings. And then I think some of the other books and histories and tales are more meanderings um, and just kind of revisitings and further world building um, that he had thought of, but maybe hadn't thought of as deeply initially. Right. Yep. Um, let's see. What else should we talk about here? Uh, we obviously have to talk about the movies. Yes. Um, so I didn't watch all of them was, for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, just thinking of like dates and stuff here. Mm-hmm. It, the, the aughts, I guess, um, the early 2000s, really something for movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that. The time that, you know, are we, I don't know if we're in the tail end of it now or if we're still in the middle of it, whatever, the golden age of television. I think that our last like amazing moments of summer blockbusters that were like worth something. Um, was that 
early 2000s period. Mm -hmm, Um, Right. Because it kind of got kicked off with um, The Matrix in 99. So as our precursor. So Mm -hmm. then we were followed up by two more Matrix movies. Mm -hmm. We had the Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, my God. We had the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. We had um, the, um, I think the Pirates movies too. Yes, we did. Um, we absolutely did. Because I know, definitely went just, to the midnight showings of those bad boys. Yeah, 2003, the first mm-hmm. Pirates. So, like, what a lineup. Uh-huh. You know? Lord of the Rings, Matrix Trilogy, Spider-Man, X-Men, Pirates. You know, so it's super superhero movies before you know, they're like the expected norm for everything. Before Marvel. Yeah. Yep. The um, fantasy epic, the sci-fi, like um, mind, mind games thing. And then the crazy drunken pirate, like, you know, how do you, action adventure? Yeah. Yeah. And like the kind of the crown jewel of all that, honestly, was, um, was the Lord of the Rings. Like those mm-hmm. were the ones to take seriously. Yeah. Um, they were funny, but we they were them. like serious too. Mm-hmm. And we had them yearly. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Batman Begins as well, 2005. Yes. So um, pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, every holiday you could look forward to a Lord of the Rings movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was kind of another groundbreaking thing was not only the, obviously we get what Tolkien has given us in terms of um, a masterclass in world building. But then we have the films that are kind of a masterclass of filmmaking for something so grand and epic. Yeah. I was going to say the scale, the sheer scale, but the detail mm -hmm. is yeah. Peter Jackson absolutely owned that. Shooting on set Mm -hmm. on location shooting yep. like all the movies back to back. Yep. Like these people just lived together for like a decade or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that all worked out. And then using their own, uh, using Wetterworks for the, yes. you know, they were acclaimed for visuals. And ILM really had the the stranglehold on visual effects, you know, Industrial Light and Magic created by George right. Lucas and stuff. That's been, was, you know, huge and still is, like the go-to but with lord of the rings there's this other company that comes along Wetterworks, that showed that hey we can really make spectacular practical and digital effects as well mm-hmm. so, yeah i mean um, kind of going back and watching the original trilogy i honestly can't in the original movies find a place where they fell down on any of it that the hobbit trilogy is a whole different animal that that I think we should talk about. But the original films, um, I think the blend of effects and also like the actual costumes, makeup, you know, everything is spectacular. Like the effects, everything just works well. There's nothing that's really like out of place or kind of sticks yeah. out like a sore thumb and is just like, ooh, only wish, you know, if they'd gotten this thing right, it would have been better. Right. Like I was just watching the extended yeah. um, extended edition of, of course, Return of the King to, to close up the trilogy and a character that we don't get to see the one, the mouth of Sauron is such a great blend of special effects and costume and makeup and 
Um, it's just like a fabulous character that mm-hmm. I wish had somehow made it into the original film or the theatrical yeah. release. These, that doesn't matter. The, the extended cut are the only ones worth watching. They're the real, the real version. Yeah. Yep. I remember, I mean, I got these really like FYE or whatever. I got these really nice sets of the extended edition, mm-hmm. you know, they're real fancy and thick and you can yep. fold them all out and they have like the map and everything. And it's like, Me too. It, it makes you miss the day of like physical media because yes, those are all gorgeous and like all the behind the scenes content. It was just like piles and piles. And then th- there was multiple voice tracks. So I've watched them through different times with like mm-hmm. the hobbits giving their commentary and then, yeah. different, you know, different people. Um, so you get a lot of fun insight there. And um, I just remember that they would be on two discs because mm-hmm. they were so long. Yes. So I really treated him like six movies, mm-hmm. you know, and so I could never have enough because they were nice size movies when you treat them as, you know, per disc as six. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just not a problem at all of them being that long. So yeah. I was like, if you have more content, please give it to me. That's one of the few movies that like, I'm just like, yes, the more the better. More. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, there was something really special about opening those up. You just felt like like there was just a wealth in there, like ever like the from the outside, the cover looking so rich and then like opening it up to find so many discs and so much content yep. on them. You know, you felt like you had your own little little treasure hoard there. Yep. I still have them, though. I have like um, I did one too. of them. I forget. I think <laughs> the two towers maybe is has been torn. I don't know if oh, that happened no. during a move or some something happened to that one, unfortunately. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, no, I still got the uh, the theatrical releases and the extended, all of them. Chris has tried to get me to choose and I won't do it. I must have all. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I mean, in terms of like perfect or complete or anything in change or whatever, I guess... I, I do agree with the general consensus that the return of the King has a lot of endings. There's a lot of endings there. A lot of, yeah. uh, Oh, it's over. Wait, no, it's not. Oh, it's over. It's not, but I don't know what other way to do it. Exactly. Like, you know, I guess it's just those fade cuts. Yeah, just, it is. You know, I will, I will agree with you there. The fade cuts are very weird. There's, there's nothing wrong with multiple endings because so many different characters have been on so many different journeys. Like how do you just like wrap that up with one big, you know, scene yep. or something. So I get it, but yeah, the fade cut and it's like a long cut. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that blackness just kind of like goes a tick too long we yep. think, uh, and then, yeah, no, here's another scene. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I guess, you know, I've heard Peter Jackson talk about it before, how he's sort of adverse to, um, having, he's not a big fan of magic in a way. And so he kept his movies and his version of Gandalf and stuff. Very, Oh, sure. Very muted and like down to earth, mm-hmm. you know? And like some of this is, I think, helps in the end. Like you know, there's a realism to these movies that there wouldn't have to be, you know, elves don't ha- aren't skipping and singing. 
they're mm-hmm. solemnly like floating and like it's this <laughs> ethereal like you know it's, it's yeah it, it's a different tone that i think is one of those situations where it feels so honest to the original content mm-hmm. um but is different and um Though the one place I wish that maybe things would change a little bit, and clearly they decided to change it a little bit in The Hobbit, maybe, is the use and illustration of magic. Like, I always have mm. a problem when The Hobbit, where does Gandalf really have to light pine cones on fire and throw them? Can he yeah. just fireballs, you know? Yeah, like, right. It's, it, it's that extra step to, like, avoid obvious magic. And though I, I like the a lot of stuff, the way it's done, it keeps it. Lord of the Rings always keeps Gandalf and the wizards like Obi-Wan old Ben was when we first see him. Mm-hmm. It's always mysterious. You're not sure of the extent of his power. And, you know, it's a little yeah. and that's a great effect, but maybe it's a little too far. Yeah, it's. It's unfortunately, I think, uh, partially an effect of Tolkien's writing um, because he doesn't give you a whole lot about the wizards. And that's very intentional, I think, because it's probably just one of the it's probably one of the elements that that may be the weakest in terms of background. You know, he gives you um, the five wizards. He gives you their names, their colors but doesn't really denote exactly what those colors mean in terms of um, like, you know, maybe like what we traditionally think of as like magical abilities or powers or whatever, you know what right. I mean? Um, so, so, and, and they're meant to be in the background. They're meant to be like these figures that sort of like watch over middle earth and like sort of live through its histories and learn and they're very academic about things and they're not supposed to get involved and then gandalf just like can't help himself he has to get in there and so he's like an oddity among wizards and i think tolkien tolkien had very specific ideas about him but not necessarily about wizards so that's something that is really difficult for anybody who's going to like Peter Jackson who's going to tackle his books and make them into films. It's like we really don't know all that much about the wizards like we know about the elves, like we know about the hobbits, like we know about the dwarves. Yep. Like we know about men. It's it's a lot tougher. But I I agree that I wish that there was a little bit more thought put into it by Jackson. If you're if you're going to well, make the movie and you're going to yeah. have to do these things like like be true to the material, but also don't don't sacrifice extreme realism for something like lighting pine cones on fire that now looks like sort of silly and mundane of Gandalf yep. to do. Right. Yeah, because anybody could because do that. Then then moments later is like projecting this like black fear of like energy against like the spirit of Sauron or something. And it's like, that's awesome. Right. So, you know, so, but then he, but um, then, yeah, he can't, can't drive off like an orc pack or, you know, like, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, I, I do, again, I do love the, I love the mystery there. Do you, do you feel that, um, 
What do you feel of the kind of um, Christian connections and stuff? Like, do you think that wizards are like the angels and demons of our life, generally not um, involving themselves in our daily affairs, but do affect us in some way or another? Or I... there's a lot of talk about uh, the Lord of the Rings being a much like his friend C.S. Lewis is more yeah, obvious say, yeah. <laughs> um, Christian connections, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I I think a lot of his histories are not necessarily um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but if you read the Silmarillion, it's really hard not to look at that and see a different version of a Bible story where um, there's like one God and he he does you know create lesser gods, um, which you could maybe see as like angels, but then he you know like gives give um he like you know has middle earth and decides to populate it and he like gives earth um the race of elves first um those are his first attempt and then there's like a dark presence of his brother who like takes some of like the elves who are afraid of this creator's light and twists them into darkness sort of like a whole like adam and eve and like, you know, tempted away into the darkness. And there's this whole, like, I see it there for sure. Um, you know, like a biblical element to that. Um, and then, like, the, it sort of gets like a restart when um, the creator of on Middle Earth births the race of men as well. And like, we kind of have this whole, like, you know, second wave of another attempt at, like, a, a biblical creation story. Um, mm -hmm. So I definitely see it in his histories for sure. I'm not positive that it's as present in the original trilogy. I mean, is uh, Frodo not Jesus that has to die yeah. for everyone's sins, essentially? <laughs> you know, he goes to the undying lands in the end, and then his 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 uh, disciples or his, like, I don't know, his saints, so you have your yeah. fellowship literally with them and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I I would buy that as a, like a very, you know, a looser interpretation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just think like if we're talking like direct Bible stories, like I think the histories are a little bit closer to that. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like, yes, I could I could definitely read uh the lord of the rings trilogy as with like frodo as a jesus like figure for sure but i think it's just looser yep yeah i mean and i don't know what he um what his thoughts are on that exactly i mean you could you could also read um, gandalf i think as a jesus figure if you wanted to when you think about like his fall battling the mm -hmm. balrog and then he like is you know falls into literally a tomb um yep. and then emerges several days later reborn as like this pure white spirit of light. But I don't see, I don't always think of it like, and maybe that was what, what the intent is, but I don't always think of it like, well, it's, you know, it's a, an, a mirror of a biblical tale so much as, well, we have biblical tales because of a, there's a, a set pattern of the way stories are told redemption yeah. stories and the stories of the hero Rebirth. for that we've done forever that is a, a very um engaging and um 
you know, one of those things that hits a person at their core that even if you don't know why, you know, like mm -hmm. it's just so true to the way we understand justice and right and wrong and how that's uh, given in a story. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I've, I should listen to, I'm sure people have talked about, debated or whatever. I just know that people have uh, made the connections or whatever. And uh, so I'm, I'm spitballing here. I haven't heard what they are and stuff, but sure. yeah. Um, do, do, do. So that kind of segues into a category ad here, lessons of the stories or importance of the stories. Mm -hmm. um, do you have thoughts there? Yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of different lessons I think you can learn from the stories. So I mean, to to try and like sum up anyone's takeaway from something as as epic as Lord of the Rings is difficult to do because I think there are a lot of like little takeaways. But I mean, for Tolkien himself, a lot of his his recurring themes um, throughout the Lord of the Rings trilogy is really about, um, you know, people who are undertaking these quests don't always want them. They're not like these, you know, excited action-seeking heroes who are like, I, I've lived my life just wanting to go on a quest. You know, there, there are these people who just had the unfortunate luck to be born during a difficult time. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the repeating dialogue in the books and a lot of the dialogue in the movies talks about, you know, I wish such dark days should not be mine. I wish, you know, I hadn't lived to see such times, you know, I wish yep. this choice wasn't upon me. Um, and it's really just about, you know, people, f these figures finding their courage to go on in the midst of, you know, you didn't choose this time. It sucks that it's yours. Um, but you, but you kind of have to go on and decide how you're going to deal with this momentous thing are you going to run away are you going to face it head on you know what are your reasons for doing either like you know are you going to face it because you have like frodo you have loyal companions who are with you and encourage you and can carry you forward um is it that you know you're you're facing these things because of your own personal honor um or your your own desire um to sort of like, you know, not not feel a coward and not be like a shameful figure like Theoden, um, you know, that he kind of has this whole like, we're just, this sucks, we're probably not going to win, but we're going to fight it anyway, because I can't bear the shame of being a person who ran away from a fight. I can't bear mm -hmm. the shame of people thinking that of me. Um, so it's a lot, it's a lot about, you know, you don't always get to choose the time you live, but you can choose what you do about it. And, you know, even a person who who doesn't want such burdens can turn out to be a hero. Yep. No, that's that's well said. It was always one of my favorite moments uh, in the films and quotes is when they're in the Mines of Moria mm -hmm. in Fellowship of the Ring and it, Gandalf is talking to Frodo and they're looking at Gollum and stuff like he's been following us and everything. And that's exactly what Frodo says is, you know, I wish I didn't have to be here. This really sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, and Gandalf's response is that's not for us to decide. All that we can do is um, decide what to do with the time that's given to us. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, as a yeah, kind of yeah, it's recurring. it's it's such an iconic moment, and uh, Ian McKellen is just an actor with such amazing gravitas. He just like makes that moment so amazing. Um, but I I was just noticing as I was watching, you know, the trilogy kind of back to back to back. Um, like I said, like Theoden has a as a quote in Two Towers, you know, alas that such evil days should be mine. Um, you know, he kind of has the same thing going on where where he's yep. like, you know, God, I can't I can't imagine like why this is happening. Why is this happening to me? You know, so many of my forebears kind of live through easier moments. Um yep. But that's unfortunately not my lot in life. And now I just have to pick how I respond. Yep. And sort of the irony that um, Aragorn is the one that's there to, you know, well, this is what you've got. You've got, you know, yep. you, you, war is upon you. Yeah. And um, the irony then is, though, that Aragorn himself has to decide whether he's going to take up his, his mantle of responsibility. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as well. So. Yeah, exactly. He's he's uh, quite good, I think, throughout the movie and encouraging others to, you know, take courage and, and bear their responsibilities. But then he's got to he's got to face his own moment. And he he does. But it it does take him a little bit longer. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see. OK. Favorite book, favorite movie. We'll throw in favorite character because we got to ask again. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for me, if I'm cheating, I have to say the Silmarillion. Um, I, That's I not just, cheating. Wow. Well, if it's if it's not, you know, picking out of the out of the trilogy, if sure. it's we're oh. if we're saying favorite book out of Tolkien's like whole, um, you know, body of work, then the Silmarillion for sure. Favorite book. Um, is Return of the King. I I love the way the the book like wraps up the trilogy. It's got one of my favorite scenes, uh, Eowyn killing the Witch King of Angmar. It's just like so iconic. Um, I love all. I love like the entire like battles, the way they wrap up in that film or in that excuse me in that book. So, what about you? Well, I can only speak to what I know, and my favorite film okay. is The Fellowship of the Ring. Easy. Same. Same. I mean, it, Hands down. The, thing is about, the thing about The Fellowship of the Ring is it's such a complete, well-paced individual film. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, though clearly it's designed to continue on, it wouldn't have to. It is self-contained and awesome. Um, the other, the two towers used to be when I was originally saw them, my favorite probably, but I was wrong, um, because it (laughs) it is not, it's not a complete thing, you know, No, it is definitely the middle, the middle one. Mm -hmm. And then return the king. I, I said this in our comments. I don't think it gets enough love. Like so many people like focus on. The Fellowship and The Return of the King and Two Towers really is a good movie in its own right. Yes. It's not its fault that it can't be standalone. Like right. it, ju- it just it just can't like, you know, there's just no way to, to make that movie be its its own, you know, self-contained um, thing. But it yep. really is good. Like it's a, yep. it's such a good movie. 
um, for what for what it has to do, what people consider like the boring parts of the trilogy, like Frodo and Sam like slogging forward and, and going on their quest. Like that's part of the point of their quest is like it's not all fun and games and heroic adventures. Sometimes it's literally like you have to walk three miles or four miles through a swamp and it sucks. Yep. But yep. that's again, that's again a little bit of um I think Tolkien's desire to to work out his experience in the trenches of World War One. It's like this isn't fun. This isn't like, you know, we boys going gloriously off to war. Sometimes it's literally we just sat in a mud pit for yep. weeks. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think I still think it's great. I love the uh, and we'll talk about that in a second too, but Battle Pounds um, Deep. The, well, the music, I was going to say, oh, okay. <laughs> um, the music that goes real sort of Celtic. Oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. I, I love the added themes um, of um, I'm blanking on the place that we're introduced to. Uh, yeah, Rohan. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Themes themes associated with Rohan are really great. Um, so that stood out to me. We're introduced some, to some fun new characters. And I always really liked the elf that came to the rescue at the end in Helm's Deep. Haldir! And then tragically dies. Haldir Lorien. So sad, but I liked yeah. him. I was like, maybe he could live. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't live. But... No. <laughs> Unfortunately, he, he uh, you know, took a blow to the back of the head. I think he's uh, down for the count. Yep. Um. And then Return of the King is 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 very good, though I guess if I'm talking about some flaws, I had an issue with how Aragorn could um, recruit this army. All of a sudden, here's sure. this army to come storming in, and our battle can be won mm -hmm. so swiftly now. Uh, no, you know, with this yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that is quite a bit less shocking in the books. You know what I mean? Like it still happens. Um, he still goes under the mountain and he recruits this like army, um, you know, kind of of ghosts, spirits, whatever, whatever you may, um, you know, that broke their promise to Isildur long ago. Um, and you know, he now recruits them to like go fight their battle. But it's not this like weird like. You know, we overrun the battlefield with spirits and, you know, they kind of like pull things down and just like float around like these magical, you know, soldiers that can just do anything for you. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit less. In the books. Um, but yeah, that's that's unfortunately a, like a hard thing that I'm not sure. I'm sure Peter Jackson tried, you know. 20 different ways to figure out how to do this to make it look, you know, the most real as possible, but there's not a yeah. great way. I don't know if this is the best way. I don't know if maybe somebody else could have had like a better idea, but yeah, it's not. I agree. It's, it's a little convenient for this to just like magically happen where, I think... you know, Aragorn can recruit a secret army. Yep. I think what, needed to happen for that to be um better would be that you know we see we spent a lot of time watching frodo and samwise 
um, mm -hmm. in their struggles. We it seems relatively quick for Aragorn to get this. I think it needed to yeah. be a greater struggle and yeah. more time sunk into um, being able to achieve this goal so mm -hmm. we could feel that as it was, um, you know, the payoff needed to be so grand, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's a, uh, that's perhaps a, a movie pacing issue um, because, you know, we kind of like leave Aragorn where he's going to recruit this, you know, king under the mountain um like right at the eve of battle and then like the next big thing is like we're in the battle so we don't really get the you know like oh this took some time like you know rohan had to you know muster marshal their forces and like go to gondor and we we see that but we don't see the time it took because we're yeah. already like in the throes of battle in gondor and there's no there's no sense of like how long this is actually taking it's just it's sort of like this weird like did this all happen in a day because that's what it seems like there's no night time you know we didn't like change yep. time of day so it just feels like it all happens within the same day yep i don't know i it's still great but one of my mm -hmm. complaints yeah um i um i wish that that the fellowship had won more awards i felt like the yes. Return of the King won a lot of awards because I feel like the Academy sort of felt like this was a really momentous thing. And I think we might have let it slip us by. So we should probably like throw some awards at Return of the King. Um, when I think the the awards are really probably more meant for like the entire trilogy, not right. just specifically the Lord of the Rings Return of the King. It's That's, like the whole yeah. thing, the whole shebang. Fair, you know, because like right. Return of the King gets the recorded wins, and I don't yeah. think it's the strongest movie. But yeah. like I said, I think the Academy was just sort of like, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, we totally, we totally missed this. Got to get on that train. What did um? All right, what did Gandalf say when he right before he um let go and fell down to uh, attack the Balrog? Fly, you fools! Fly, fly. Fly, okay, right. There's debate over that. What? Uh, what's the debate? Some say run, run, you fools. Oh, like books or movie? Because like movie, movie is absolutely fly, you fools. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe our technical director is gonna like totally, uh, totally school me here and like, look it up and find the clip and it's going to not be fly fools, but that's, that's my very distinct impression. I mean, it is that the idea that he's saying fly you fools is mm -hmm. go to the Eagles. <laughs> I don't know. That, I, that, I don't know. That's, I've heard that's, that. Okay. That's interesting because like, it seems like basically only Gandalf knows about the Eagles. Cause like, he's the only one that they like, swoop in for you know what i mean like yeah. gandalf is always calling the eagles to be like hey help us out like uh alan wrote for the uh the uh army that um aragorn is able to summon deus ex machina um like this army like just magically comes in and like cleans up the battlefield i think the eagles are the deus ex machina they just like come in 11th hour like swoop in help out do their thing and then like cool peace thank you yep. we had fun 
like joining you well, at the very last minute and now we're gonna like peace out and there's a there's a youtube video that i saw someone do that's you know it's how it should have ended or whatever and that's what they mm -hmm. do and it was basically that yeah grab the ring with the eagles fly over mount doom throw it in done yeah so can't do it so I <laughs> is this is this a is this a blind spot is this a weakness in the story is this a um so... is, does this get more to the point of like gandalf he needs the world of men to rise if they're going to um like continue forward and be reasonable stewards of middle earth then they have to do this themselves i mean what's what do you Which... think which they don't then, if that's the yeah, case, right, because right, it's really yeah. some hobbits. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, obviously the, the race of men is, is quite well represented um, in the fellowship as well. Um, but no, I, so I put, I put out a theory. Um, Chris was like half buying it, but also like okay. there's some issues with it. So I was, I was thinking that um, the Eagles could possibly have been uh, very symbolic for Tolkien um, in the sense of like, we uh, it, like in modern times, at least are very aware that like the bald Eagle represents America, the United States. Um, and if he's really writing the Lord of the Rings as an allegory about his experiences in world war one, then the Eagles come in late because America comes in late. And just kind of like joins in all the action, like kind of like is on the sidelines and then like joins in all the action very late in the day, which they did. Um, you know, I'm not saying like, gosh, darn it, America, like get your butt in gear. Like, why'd you join so late? That's not like, you know, it's not a, a thought process in my mind of like, we should have done X like, or we should yeah, have done Y. Comment on it or not. Yeah. But... Yeah. It's literally just like we didn't enter World War One until I think very late 1917 or early 1918 and it ended in 1919 so i mean kind of like yep. perhaps his way of just sort of like writing his own experiences or writing a commentary or writing an allegory about america kind of jumping yep. in a little bit late yeah i mean i i like it i mean because it's it leaves um it's that there's a lot of autonomy then to the mm -hmm. eagles. Like it's not that you can't you can't just oh well we're having our problems here, and so then therefore eagles come take care solve of this. it. Yeah, come and solve it, this. Yeah. It's like they have their own existence and whatever, and so right. it, it leaves it on they're not uh, just some tool, right? You know, and that Gandalf can just persuade into doing whatever. Right. Even yeah, if it they, is simple or something, it's like not, you know, involving them. Right. They certainly do help and will, um, which, you know, is kind of like a a sort of like, you know, another nod to like diplomatic negotiation that like Gandalf as this like figurehead can, you know, say like, you know, hey, our ally, we need you for this specific purpose. Come on in. And, yeah. you know. That's that's another interesting facet to it. But yeah, it's they're they're not like this magical problem solver from the beginning. They can sort of swoop in at the end and they are a little bit of magical problem solvers um, at the end. But, you know, other people have also put in the hard work and they're not just like relying on the eagles. Right. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm looking some up. Um, sure. 
I never answered my, uh, well, anyways, I, li- I like your, I like your theory there. Thank um, you. <laughs> I never answered my favorite character. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That is really tough. Um, I don't know about that. Um, I really do like Elrond. I always liked him. I like seeing him like, in the, I was going to say, do you like book Elrond or do you like movie Elrond? Movie Elrond because like, yeah, he's Hugo weaving. weaving. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I do think there's some really great casting in the films. Yeah, like there's just like Elrond Hugo Weaving as Elrond is is like a dynamite choice. Absolutely excellent. I'm always intrigued by the elves and some of the characters you know less about. Mm-hmm. Um, Celeborn, that's how you say his name. Um, the elf, Celeborn. I like that. Yeah, I like that actor. And again, you know, like basically nothing about him. He just looks cool. Just hanging out with uh um Galadriel. Yeah, right. Yeah, Blanchett, so, yeah. She, another yeah. dynamite casting choice. So mm-hmm. excellent. Um, you do get to learn a lot more about him. Um, I mean, not like it's not his like personal history or anything, but you do get to learn a lot more about him in the Silmarillion. Because okay. because Galadriel is so iconic. Um, she's so powerful and so recognized within the elf world. I mean, she's one of the keepers of the three elven rings. You know, so like her partner's got to be equally cool too, right? So yeah, you kind of, you kind of got to learn a little bit more about him in the Silmarillion. No, he just married up, you know, and (laughs) just uh, just knows she's she's still in my league, you guys. But uh, I got her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got something special that uh, keeps her coming back. (laughs) So she's got the money and the and the job and the power and the ring. Yeah. Yep mm-hmm um yeah it's um i am a big always a big fan of ensemble stuff mm-hmm. so i love x-men and whatever so um lord of the rings i love that that we have we're in multiple places at, all the time you know mm-hmm. we're going between not only then the hobbits and then the rest of the fellowship but then you're going with later the fellowship and then the hobbits are split into two and then you're seeing Saruman and the Urukai and you're getting the different, you know, um, um, Arwen dealing, yeah, dealing with her father and stuff. It's like, it's always different groups. And I like that a lot. So it's very difficult for me to choose. I suppose definitely watching the movies growing up. Legolas was probably my favorite in the moment because how many badass moments right right riding down the the elephant. steps on the back of a shield you know and stuff riding down the elephant trunk yeah he does a lot of cool like yeah. surfing moves yeah yeah right yeah he's got a, he's got a lot of cool stuff going on i mean like yeah who didn't who didn't want to like walk over snow or like you know yeah. they're always like hey what do you see like you know go just like look at stuff and tell us what's happening yep. so yeah and what a breakaway for um, Annie Circus. Yeah, I mean, holy after cow. these movies, not only was Gollum like a cultural thing, you know, talking back and forth to himself, but uh, then he had all the work in the world and, um, you know, became, it started the conversation, can a character that's not actually on screen, that's digitized, be nominated for Best Actor and all this stuff, you know? Right. So that was a big deal. Yeah, and I mean... In in the case of of Andy Circus, I would absolutely support that because 
I mean, he he was on screen, even though he wasn't. I mean, he was doing yeah. everything. That it's is motion like, capture. Yeah, you know? that is like the physical work you are doing. And it's not only the physical work, but it's the expression that is being captured yeah. as well. So, yeah, absolutely. The tough thing with that is obviously it can be manipulated. Yes, you know? I, I agree. But, but I just but, I think for the amount of hours that he spent on that, like clearly they didn't just like. Mm -hmm. Hey, do like six poses in one day and then we're just going to like manipulate, you know, the rest yep. of everything. It was clear that he did everything. Yep. Alan brings up at least he was in the flashback as Schmeagle. And that's true. I, I, yes. I always wondered if they like literally Smeagol put him in, and there, Deagle. Uh, in there so he could count as being yeah. in the role, you know? Sure. Um, or if he was Lord. just like, can I just like, can I just like spend like 10 seconds on screen? Like, yeah. I'd, I would love to feel like I was just like me a part of this instead of, you know. Yep. yep. Yeah. It always made me sad watching the behind the scenes stuff that um, because there's definitely some unsung heroes of these films. They they hired a lot of uh, dwarfs or little people to be mm -hmm. in the different roles for further back shots and all this stuff. We don't really generally know their names, but they're mm -hmm. on screen a lot. Mm -hmm. And then it you think of this fellowship that's together and um john rice davy not john rice uh Gimli? john rice davies is that who are, no who you thinking of? is that what is that what it is okay i are you I thinking of Gimli? Of, uh, yes john rice davies yeah yeah okay okay i always i always think i'm about to say the lead singer of corn uh, oh. <laughs> uh that's jonathan davis Okay. That's Jonathan David. I thought you were gonna say like so, Jonathan yeah, Rice yeah. Myers or something. Like that is a totally different right. person. Yeah, right. No, and because he's so good. Gimli is so yeah. amazing. That's but he's like never then, with the main people. Yeah. You know, he's never with the main people. And so he's always off with someone else, you know, that we don't we don't know where he's by himself a lot. And I guess the prosthetics, he was so horribly allergic to them so it was just like painful for him to be in costume it sounds like this decade-long nightmare for him mm -hmm. that obviously doesn't show in the films because he's no. so great so he's a professional absolutely yeah yeah and then he he also um you know played two characters he's um at the end um oh my gosh i'm blanking on his name right now treebeard oh i don't see treebeard okay that's yeah. right yeah Yep. So, yeah, so he's a he's, you know, working all the time. I mean, if he's not yeah. if he's not, you know, in prosthetics and I think um, I think a lot of his alone shots were a lot of like manipulating his height because it was yep. more difficult to do, you know, when he's standing next to the other characters. Yep. And that was impressive for the way they again in this filmmaking, the way yeah. they played with just perspective a lot to make mm -hmm. um People look very different heights and is incredibly well done. Definitely makes me want a um, a Hobbit home. We've talked about that a lot, like building Heck a house yeah. on the side of a hill. You can actually go out west. Someone has it. You can rent that. You can. They built a, a Hobbit home, the round door Excellent. in a hill. Excellent. And like it's removed from everything. They have a, like a little solar panel somewhere for like a little bit of basic something or another. But otherwise... Sure. Yeah, you can rent it for a week or whatever and just, Done. you know, live Done. the Hobbit life. Done. I yep. love it.
just smoking pipe weed all day. That's right. Your Old Toby. Yep. <laughs> uh, I love the hobbits reactions when they, um, yeah, when they find food or, you know, I, I love those moments. Tobacco uh, or yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some ale. I, as I get older, I am greater and greater appreciation for hobbits and stuff, you know, and ultimately, you know, everybody wants to be the elf or whatever, but I end up just being, I, I am just a dwarf or a hobbit, you know, that's what, it is. <laughs> you know, I yeah, like food and drink and yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, and I think those are, those are, those get a lot more like showcased in the Hobbit trilogy, like just enjoying yourself and like enjoying like, like Bilbo at the start is enjoying his very quiet life, but also like enjoying like the fruits of his own labors, like his stocked pantry and he loves to have his tea, you know, every day at four yep. and, you know, stuff like that. Like he enjoys like the simple comforts of life. Um, yep. And, and the dwarves clearly enjoy them too when they can get them because they're, you know, on the road all the time. So they're, they're thinking, my God, there's nothing better than sitting down to a feast and enjoying yep. the pleasures of life while you can. And that's not something you um, really get from the elves because of course they're like a little bit too austere and ethereal to like yeah. enjoy it. Legolas right. gets, gets close because of course he like has his like friendship with Gimli. And yep. so he's trying to like, okay, give and take, like I can be a little bit less, you know, removed and, you know, try to enjoy myself and enjoy the things that you enjoy. Like, you know, we have our killing contest and we have our drinking contest and whatnot. And Gimli's like, yeah, maybe yeah. I could like think about some things more too. be a little bit more open minded. Never toss a dwarf. <laughs> and don't tell anybody. He grabs him by the beard. Not oh, the there's beard. There's a lot of good moments. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. OK, so. Epic question has always been a nerddom argument. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings. That's always okay. Lord Are of the Rings. Feel confident about that? I do. I do. All right. How's it go? How's two and three go? That's a lot tougher. That's a lot tougher. I would probably. Oh, good. It's so it's so hard because like I can't help but think of them in different mediums. I'm so attached to the Harry Potter books and then more mm. like so attached to the Star Wars movies. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like so it's really hard for me to like like compare and rank that when I think of them in different mediums. Yeah. Um and not, not that I don't enjoy the Harry Potter film series. Um but if we were going to straight up do like like film series, it would absolutely be Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter. When you introduce in other mediums, I'm having a hard time. Interesting. Okay. I think objectively, if you're going to try to be objective about it, Lord of the sure. Rings is the winner. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the, the achievement of those three films um in their in their entirety the journey you feel like you've gone on when you go from the from the first one to the, to the end of the last mm -hmm. like you you do start to like reminisce about how far you've gone mm -hmm. you're like oh my god like when we just were back at the shire you know helping avoid you know celebrating a birthday and some of that all the right. way here where like i can't i can't return to normal life 
Like mm-hmm. I can't do it. You know, I, I've, I've like been through too much, you mm-hmm. know, I just can't rejoin that anymore, you know, and good for everyone else. Like everything I did helped, you know, in what will allow you to return to normal life, but right. I can't do it. And it's like the, the, the impact that the films managed to have in conveying that, making you feel like you went on that journey as well in a way Mm -hmm. um i think is something that the other films are not able to achieve and the the quality the consistent quality of the um um the the writing and the uh acting Mm -hmm. really kind of sets them apart Harry Potter is obviously something very different. You know, you start with children actors and stuff like that. And it's, the, the films really evolve and change and they have different directors and different uh, composers. And like, it's, it's amazing in their own way what they managed to do, mm-hmm. but um, it's still like does not reach the same, the same heights. And then Star Wars is such, you know, if it, we were originally talking the original trilogy, mm-hmm. To some people, maybe that'd be a tougher question, but it's been so um, diluted over the years. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it, Star Wars, as much as it pulls from a lot of classic material, it does not have the depth of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, a lot of depth of Star Wars is added later and yeah. by others. You know, the 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 magic of Star Wars, honestly, it was all the content created by others and the inspiration that they, uh, you know, took from it and and made this thing grow larger. But the amazing thing with Tolkien is that he did it all. Like he Mm -hmm. set up everything and, you know, so, um, so thoughtful all by himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think part of the, the magic of Lord of the Rings is it, is it's feeling of completeness um, and containment. And it's, it's very satisfying that way. Um, in, in, you know, the richness of the background that, you know, is there under underlying the films, even as the, you know, like you can see the background in the films themselves or in the original trilogy, if you're talking about the books. Um, I think the other two universes are just a little bit too fragmented to, to give you the same like satisfying feeling of, you know, of completion or of, you know, um, like this is contained. This is, you know, like the story we had to tell and it was all here. Whereas like, like you said with Harry Potter, like you can feel the films evolving as they go and, and it's really beautiful, but it also like is a bit fragmented and disjointed. Um, with the Star Wars films, like, or with the Star Wars universe, like, yeah, where, what do you consider, you know, like, what are you considering when you want to compare them? Are you considering everything in the Star Wars universe? Are you considering, like, just the original trilogy of films, like the prequel and sequel? Do you want to consider, like, the standalones? Because then it does sort of, like, start to build out. And it's, again, less satisfying because you're trying to, like, have all of these different things housed under an umbrella. But there's so many different characters so many different stories you're never going to get that same feeling of like i've been with you i'm invested in you i have this emotional attachment the way you have to like these lord of the rings characters that you're with the entire time even when you're not with them yep and that's you know 
that strength of of Star Wars having all the extra content and stuff, you know, as Alan points out, then becomes invalidated by Disney. So like it, it loses that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm it undercuts about, itself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm worried. Um, and we could talk about this too and circle back if we want or whatever, but like I'm worried about then the future of Lord of the Rings. Now, the thing is, it's never going to take away greatness that was the original mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's never going to take away from the books. It's never going to. It's never going to take away all these things, um, the amazing music that was written and everything. But oh, yeah, I love um, the music. Yeah. Uh, um. I, I mean, so music. I guess before we move on, we can talk about music because we haven't sure. too much yet. Um. There are so many songs in there that. I mean, Howard Shore really did a number with these uh, yeah. with these scores, and I love the um, the solo moments as well. A little bit of when you get Aragorn singing, you get Billy Boyd singing. Yeah, I mean, I I sing I sing that all the time. You know, yes. he's like singing to uh, the um, uh, Denethor, the steward of Gondor. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a great song, beautiful moment. Um, one of the songs I really like that I think is emotional that is cut from the theatrical version is Eowyn singing oh, when her yeah. brother is uh back and um being buried. Oh yeah, her her cousin Theodred. Yep, cousin. Okay, yeah, and um, that's a great moment. Mm -hmm. Sad, and then um, my favorite. It was one of my favorite songs ever is um the ending song in the two towers oh interesting okay it's so sad and melancholy yeah and, like, i hum that song all the time um i um i'm a big fan yeah they they really chose very haunting ending songs for each movie um, I think the fellowship, you know, Enya's may it be is a little is a little more hopeful um and and sort yep. of, you know beautiful because the first movie, you know, you kind of start out with with hope, even though like there's sadness there. Obviously, you know, the the fellowship sets up, sets out with such good intentions and then, you know, they splinter by the end and Boromir has mm. died, so they've already lost somebody. Um, when you think of like the two towers, it's this like very melancholy, like we're in the middle, like everything sucks. Like, you know, yep. Frodo and Sam feel like they're getting nowhere, um, even though they are getting somewhere, but they're not getting anywhere good. You know, um, they're possibly, you know, being led by someone who's out to betray them. So they're not feeling happy about this. This is very burdensome. Um, you know, the rest of the fellowship is mired with battles upon battles upon battles and, you know, everything is tough. And then we get to like Return of the King, um, you know, Annie Sullivan closes out the trilogy and it's, it's pure sad because, you know, everything's coming to an end, whether it's a physical end, it's a metaphorical end, you know, yep. it's, um, yeah, it's all done now and we we're we're on the other side we're crossing over mm -hmm. yeah just absolutely beautiful i i have all those i play those on repeat all the time um yep. each each ending song i love each of them for such very different reasons um but also mm -hmm. i i have to talk about i 
so stupid, but like in middle school, after the Fellowship of the Ring first came out, like the iconic moment where they're, you know, like first walking the trail and like the entire Fellowship, like is leading up to like walking over the the peak of the hill and they all yep. like cross mm-hmm. over. And it's just that like grand, huge orchestral moment. I love it. I love it so much. I would just like repeat play that moment. It's just so like, oh, it's so purposeful. And it just like fills you with like, I should go do something like this is, this is like <laughs> epic, you know? It's like yeah. Gandalf touches the rock. Yeah. Just, like, touches a rock and boom. Explosion. And they're all just they're all just walking. Like nothing, yep. nothing's happening, but like you just feel it. You're just like, oh we're on a quest. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So just just it's... even moments like that are just like absolutely beautiful to me. And just like yep. make parts of the movie. Cause you can see it in your mind. There aren't many um composers these days that are coming up with themes that are so memorable. Like there's some things for me, like I, yeah. I hum and I'm always singing a Lord of uh legend of Zelda songs. Yeah. Um, like a lot of classics there, obviously star Wars is a lot, you know, John Williams is known, you know, he's got mm-hmm. jaws and Jurassic park and some of that and right. outside a lot of those like older films that he did and stuff. There is not, a lot, but Lord of the Rings has several, you mm-hmm. know, just like the Hobbit, um, Shire, the Shire theme, mm-hmm. the Fellowship theme, you know, those things are really pretty, um, pretty iconic. Yeah, the and, theme um, for uh, the Riders of Rohan, you know, they got this whole like Celtic moment, like you can just like yep. hear that in your mind as well. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, Gollum song. That's the yeah, Gollum the song. Right there. Um, Thank you. It's um, it just hits it hits me in my core, just mm-hmm. like speaks to me. So all moody, moody and broody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. So we got Marilyn Manson, Madonna, and <laughs> Gollum's song. Yeah. Yep. I was yep. waiting for another M there. Oh shoot! Yeah, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's an M song I like in there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think maybe last thing we should talk about if there, mm-hmm. um, unless we think of something else yet is the Amazon series and the future of Tolkien's work and the Lord of the Rings and all that. Yes. So obviously being so, so attached, um, to Tolkien's world and to Lord of the Rings, I am incredibly nervous for this show. Um, are there things that that give me hope? Absolutely. Um, the fact that that Amazon um, bought the rights for this and like like is spending so much money on each season. I think like the first season they said something like four hundred sixty five million to make it. I'm not sure that's an exact figure, but I think it's close. Um, the fact that they're spending so much money on this hopefully means high production value and that things are going to look amazing. Um, we, uh, we think, I think we only have like one picture and it's just like a broad brushstroke of like the, the universe that we're supposed to be in. Um, looked good, but it's one picture. So I can't, I can't tell a whole lot from there, but I'm still hopeful that good production value is going to come out of this. They've already ordered two seasons 
Um, so I think it's, I'm, I'm glad that it's not going to maybe just be like a one and done. Like they'll have a little bit of time to like play some things out, even though I think the initial, initial deal says five seasons, but I don't know that that's absolutely guaranteed. So at least they have two. Um, I like the fact that it is not going to be a Lord of the Rings direct remake or some sort of like, you know, spinoff of, you know, like this is the same time as, you know, all of this is happening. No, we're forget the third age. We're going backwards into the second age with like the first, you know, battle, the last alliance of men and elves, like that sort of time where like Sauron is just beginning, you know, to to come into Middle Earth and make his presence known. Um, we're going to be in that sort of like history uh, that's more detailed than the Silmarillion rather than the Lord of the Rings. So sure. I'm, I'm glad that we're not, we're not even trying to mess with the movies and that universe that's been creative created. Um, but on the flip side, like knowing that there's such amazing quality films out there already, that's the bar really high. So if you have anything yep. short of the the magic and the moments that these movies have achieved, like you're failing and it's, it's yep. not, a, it's not a low bar that you have to clear. It's a very, very high bar and you have to meet it or exceed it. Absolutely. Yep. No question. Well, I think that's definitely what the Hobbit trilogy ran into then as well. You know, <sighs> yeah, it's, um, it's really, it, I mean, they could I'm, have been I'm mad so about much the better. Hobbit. I'm mad about the Hobbit, you know, and I haven't, I haven't even seen the last part. You know, I was, I should have watched that for this or whatever, but I just, it's really frustrating because whatever studio exec thought it was a good idea to take the shortest book aimed at the youngest audience and make it into three mm. movies and then release extended versions of, the, of mm. them as well just has no painful. sense there's no so sense painful. there i'm sure a bunch of those movies i'm sure they made money but you damaged the brand you did you did you know they, they, they were it seems like they never seem to think about that like you're gonna you're going to hurt you're gonna see diminishing returns here mm -hmm. if you make foolish decisions now mm -hmm. yeah so. yeah i i can't unfortunately do anything other than agree i mean the the hobbit was something that everybody started out knowing three movies was a mistake mm -hmm. but you had peter jackson signed on you know however reluctantly you know he he was involved at least you were like okay well he made the lord of the rings so maybe he can make something out of this and to his credit i think he did the best job that you could do with you know stretching the contents of one book into three movies to, to use a metaphor straight from the master Hobbit himself, Bilbo Baggins, like butter scraped over too much bread. Like, yeah, you, you had all this good stuff and you just tried to spread it too thin, too far and it didn't work out. So yeah, the, the first Hobbit movie was absolutely very promising um, because I think it had the most from the original Hobbit book um, and, you know, had the least amount of, you know, like veering off. And I, you could almost feel Peter Jackson just like holding on to that 
and just sort of being like, oh, I know we have to do these other things. So like, I'll add them in here, but I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the other two movies were just like, oh, I have to make this. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it like the best I can. I'm still going to give you really great moments, but there's nothing I can do about these like, you know, crammed in additions of like, here's a whole subplot about Azog the Defiler. Like, I guess I'm going to follow him now. Like. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's just too much. Yeah, if I remember, too, there was some controversy when the first one came out, because I think they shot it in a higher frame rate than normal. So people were going to see it. I was like, it looks so weird. It looks like a daytime television show. It looks so yeah. clean and there's no blur. And it's like, yeah, I'm saying 48. Um, yeah, it might be instead of, you know, your normal like 30, 30, you know, 32, 32 of television, 30 frames a second on film or 24 even so yeah and i think um i think that for the first half of the movie you don't really notice it and then it becomes really apparent in like the second half during like some of those night scenes where everything's just so pretty and Mm. it doesn't look normal it looks like glossy you know what i mean Mm. like everything looks sort of like weirdly shiny and um just just not quite natural. Even like bodies and figures look like smooth in a way that doesn't look like actual people. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a debate for another day, I suppose, because it's it's a hotly debated thing like mm-hmm. frame rate um, for film slash for video games and television and sure. what that should be. But um, yeah, audiences didn't seem to respond well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yes, we could, I mean, we could talk Lord of the Rings for a very long time. There's obviously Hours. a lot of content there. We could go into specifics on every movie. We, we almost should, like, if we get to a time where we're like, we're not sure what we should talk about or something, we could always just like do individual movies or something like that as Done. well sometime. So any day, any time, you'll, you'll just <laughs> have to watch them again. Oh no! How terrible for me. It it that kind of <laughs> was the last of my era of rewatching a lot of stuff over and over. Mm-hmm. It was like Casino Royale and Lord of the Rings. It's like that, and then now I barely rewatch anything, almost yeah. never. Yeah, it was it was actually really so enjoyable to go back and rewatch. Like have a moment where I was like, I am going to rewatch things. You know, mm-hmm. because because there is so much new that you just feel like you have to keep up with all the time and you're or you're just like plain interested in and you're like, oh, my yeah. God, I can never get to it all. So you're just constantly watching new things and there's not that opportunity to go back and kind of like revisit something that you used to enjoy in the past. And it just reminded me, like you said, I used to rewatch these all the time. Um, I, I got so bad that I could quote each movie line for line. I was the most annoying person you can imagine to rewatch these with, but I could do it. Now I can only do like the first one. Um, Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. I know, I know. I, I so it is hard, to, isn't I, it? It is. I so try to keep it in check. Like, but there were just mm-hmm. some moments where I was just like, I'm so into it, and I would just like, you know, say yep. it along with. But yeah, it just really like this brought back that pleasure of rewatching something. Yep. All right. Well, um, 
J.R. Tolkien. I do. One of the greats. I oh, do have ahead. to close out with like a, a cool thing just because I did um, visit um, a place in Oxford that J.R. Oh, yeah. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis frequented. It's a pub called the Eagle and Child. Um, and there you, there you see like they've got like a whole little display on one of their walls dedicated to Tolkien and Lewis um, and their their friendship and their hours spent in that pub. And so there's me. Con very seriously contemplating, but also raising a glass, raising my own uh, glass to two of the greats. Um, it was a really cool moment. I'm not going to lie. Just to like nice. be in that space where they were. For sure. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A highlight, I think, of of my travels and uh, for the future. Um, Alan mentioned this, but I, I absolutely have to at some point get to New Zealand to just like yeah. Do the whole do the whole do the thing. Whole like, do yep. the whole tour. Do the whole tour. Go to Hobbiton. Like I know it's yep. commercial, whatever. I don't give a crap. Like I'm gonna go and I have to do it. Yep. Yep. Sounds great. Plan plan. When are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get going. Yep. All right. Well, that was our Lord of the Rings talk um for Popcast on the Rocks, episode 76. Hope you enjoyed it. Please um, let us know what you think of Lord of the Rings and surrounding content and the author himself and whatnot. Um, you can do that here on Twitch, on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you name it. Like, uh, Drop us a like, a share, a follow, all that sort of thing. Uh, we would very much appreciate it. Also, if you just listen in podcast format, that's fine too. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever you want to use, Anchor. Um, leave us a review on there. That helps for other people to discover us. We'd like to thank our um, thank Killing the Flower for our theme song. You can find them on Instagram and YouTube and Spotify. So thank you very much. And that'll about do it, I think. Um, all the plugs and promotions and, and uh, obligatories. So until next time, Andrea. Yes. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>